1: What's up, all? Aaron, but not that Aaron, here to tell you about Sip Pop Writers Room. For the past several years, there have been a growing amount of writers for SipPop.com, providing best ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. Sip Pop Writers Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent, getting to chat such a wide variety of movies with a wide variety of movie lovers. And I'm really having a lot of fun with the show, and I just think that you would too. So check out Sip Pop Writers Room wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first.
2: Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that just has to kill for 52 weeks in a row and then do it again next year, it's SIFPOP. Welcome to SIFPOP Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! Lucy! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and when he's being funny, you'll know it. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds, and please welcome our guest this week. He's currently dressed as a cool youth pastor. It's John Paula! (laughs) Hey,
1: hello, how are you? Doing good. Good to be back. Uh, Excited, uh, certainly, to talk about... uh, one of tonight's films. Um, <laughs> I'm interested to talk about the other one, but uh, I might, I might, I might be a little interested in Spider Man.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, it's a big one, guys. Uh, we we are going to talk about Spider Man: No Way Home, um, and we'll get into the nitty gritty of that soon enough. We're also going to be doing uh, Being the Ricardos, uh, Aaron Sorkin's new film. And chat a little bit about that. And uh, then Best Ever Crossover Movies uh, for our Best Ever Challenge. And of course, some Buried Treasure as well. And maybe we'll just talk about this now before we actually get into the review proper. With a uh, Spider Man No Way Home. Clearly there will be a sift spoil on this. Clear, clearly we will need to talk some spoilers.
1: I don't understand.
2: And oh, no. and in fact, so much so that the actual episode of Sift Pop might be shorter than you expect, and then there's I like was a, gonna say this is gonna be actually minute a pretty short. like spoiler <laughs> recording. I think afterwards. I think we honestly
1: need to do like five minutes now and then thirty minutes later because yeah. there's there's too much and I wrote a long review. I stayed up last night mm-hmm. to actually kind of get my thoughts on paper, posted them on my letterbox, 900 words, which is definitely a longer review for me. And, um, I could have done another 900 had I opened myself up to spoilers. Uh, and mm-hmm. I was just trying to, I basically can only describe like the first 30 minutes yeah. Uh, yeah. of the film. Uh, and that those first 30 minutes are certainly, uh, interesting and exciting and, and dynamic and, and, But yeah, well, let's let's
2: let's talk about it. All right, so we're gonna get into it. Uh, Let's kick it off with some thoughts on Spider-Man: No Way Home. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man, we started getting some visitors from every universe. Hello, Peter. Peter Parker is unmasked and no longer able to separate his normal life from the high stakes of being a superhero. When he asks for help from Doctor Strange, the stakes become even more dangerous, forcing him to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. In addition to being spoiler free, I will define uh, a little bit, at least attempt to define what that means Uh, for us Uh, we are not considering spoilers anything that occurs on the poster (laughs) or in the trailer Uh, and you know me I don't watch trailers so I'm not necessarily aware of that but I I do know (laughs) that the villains have been a known part of what is going on in Spider-Man No Way Home we will not be afraid to talk about those Uh, John any questions
1: so I, I uh, broke my no trailers pledge for this one cuz oh. I knew that it would it, I knew it would be unavoidable to go into this truly blind. Um so I'm like let's just watch it once so I can I won't be so surprised when Doc mm-hmm. Ock shows up. Like all right. Yeah. Uh get yeah. that out of the way. Um uh, but I'm curious Aaron, um you it sounds like from your reaction you did not see the trailer. I did not but- you probably had heard something. Like, did you go? How much of this did you know about when you sat down to
2: see it? Okay, look. So this is a very interesting situation, and um, and I, I want to I do want to be careful with spoilers because I was just talking with somebody who is an MCU fan, Marvel fan, who did not even know the conceit of this movie and was going to sit, you know, down to. And, and I yeah, told yeah. them, I said, watch this as soon as you can, or you will know a lot of things very, very soon. Um, and, but so I, I do want to be careful, but I will say I was aware of the conceit of the film, um, just okay. because I'm paying enough attention to different things also the TV shows this person doesn't watch the TV shows the TV, show, the TV shows have dealt with kind of where we're headed in the Marvel Universe those kind of things so I was aware yep. enough to know that we were dealing with like our BEC some crossover stuff that was going to be happening is the, I think the best non-spoiler spoilery way to say that um, so uh, because of that and also because I I had seen you know uh, a poster or art that kind of with Doc Ock's arms, like I knew we were dealing with uh, villains that were coming in. I had some other assumptions I made. Those assumptions turned out to be correct. I I don't think I I have to detail that at all. Um, But many of my assumptions that, again, we won't talk about till the Sif spoil, turned out not to be correct. And so it'll be interesting to have those conversations. Um, But yes, that kind of is my mindset going in was I hadn't seen any of the visuals from the movie, but I did know uh, some things that I was probably in store for um so yeah lots of that discussion to come later for right now though let's uh do a simple liked it loved it disliked it hated it or it was just okay and then we'll talk in some broad strokes um john why don't you kick us off what do you think
1: what do you think i thought (laughs) Uh, i loved it it, so damn much this movie just tickled me pink yeah. We,
3: I think we all are in the same boat.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I haven't had this much fun since Endgame. And that was uh, like two and a half years ago now. It was yeah. just, it was a blast.
2: Andrew? Yeah, loved it. Yeah, me Beyond too. loved it. Me yeah. too. It's going to be a love fest. Um, yeah. It's just so, so fun. Um, I think one thing I've said to people, and again, I, I don't think this is too spoilery. I should stop being surprised. That Marvel knows how to play with their toys so well. I, like, yeah, you know, right? Like there's, like there's part of me going into this kind of assuming where we were headed and some of the things that might be happening. There's like, you can't do that. How are you going to pull that off? That doesn't, you know, that's going to be cheap. It's not going to make any sense, whatever. And I
1: described it as a, a unicorn event, like to to yeah. make this happen from across different franchises and different decades and different mm-hmm. uh, publishing and, and uh, com- uh, companies it is amazing that it all came together as well as it did. And, and it, and it hit all of the right notes and all of like the satisfying beats we wanted it to. Yeah. And it, I was just, I was, I, I shouldn't be surprised, but I was surprised like, wow, they really nailed this. This could have been bungled so badly. <clears throat> it really could have been so disappointing.
2: Andrew, talk a little bit about in, in general terms, like, you know, about your love for this movie. I was surprised of the emotional range Mm-hmm. That this
3: movie took me on the emotional roller coaster. I'll just say this up front: um, Tom Holland might give what I what I would put in the top three performances ever put on any Marvel movie ever. Wow, okay. up there, up there with uh, Josh Brolin and Thanos and uh, Michael B. Jordan for Killmonger. I mean, I think Tom Holland's list. performance in this movie would cement him in that conversation of like best performances that the MCU has ever brought forth.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I, he, it was a career best from Tom who's always yeah. done good work since he was a kid and probably the best the MCU has seen in a, in a very long time.
3: Absolutely. The uh, going back to the emotional range, I think the, the thing that I took from this movie and it's been a, a theme, not only from the MCU Spider-Man, but you know, going all the way back to like, uh, the, uh, I'm already, I forgot his name. Uh, Toby McGuire. One's mm-hmm. like the great power comes great responsibility. And you know, yeah. this movie kind of turns that notion on its head a little bit to where it's not only that, but it's also great power, uh, with great power comes great pain with mm-hmm. great power comes great sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Another with-
1: way I saw it phrased was, um, that you have a gift, so you should help people no matter what. And and the sort of the thematic underpinning of this film was you have a gift and you should help people even if they're bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I thought was really interesting and dynamic. That, that the conceit that you spoke of, Aaron, in this film is that Spider-Man is trying to help people that don't mm-hmm. necessarily deserve it. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, why? Why doesn't he just doom these villains of you know Christmas pasts? uh it's not his problem, but it it becomes his problem because he's a uh, he's a character that we relate to yeah. for explicitly that reason he cares and he doesn't want to do any harm if he can help it and he wants to try to save everybody even if they're punching him in the face while he does it. It's, and there's something really really endearing
2: about that. Endearing and fascinating. Uh yeah. it is there there are two there are two uh wires that that Aaron is is walking as he speaks in third person about himself. Uh one is the wire of spoilers, the other is the wire of turning into the youth pastor and talking about how biblical this movie is about loving your enemy and you know the idea of uh you know what's it mean to deserve Love. What does it you know, do any of us actually deserve it? And like it's so it's 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 just really interesting to watch this movie dig into these themes that were so central to my faith growing up and just go, okay, what does this look like in a superhero context where we're so used to the idea of good guy, bad guy? Uh, good guy beats bad guy, you know, sometimes has to kill him and, and get rid of, you know, as opposed to good guy, bad guy, Hey, bad guy, let's talk about, you know, how we can help you. (laughs) It's it's incredible. It's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. It just, it, it's just, uh, in the fact that the theme was so central and core and, and also completely served by everything that was going on. And I guess that's where I'll focus. You know, my first big part of why I love this is the fan service. And I'm going to use fan Mm. service as a stand in basically for all the spoilers we can't tell you. So if you've seen the movie, when, when I when I when I say fan service, you know all the things I'm talking about, if you've seen the movie, yeah. right? So the fan service is in general can can be a fun thing if it doesn't distract from the story or characters, right? It can be an absolutely genius next level thing when it actually informs the story in the characters. And the yeah, way- that was,
1: that was the, the, the biggest sort of uh, takeaway for me. My one-line review was fan service in service of mm-hmm. a really focused plot. And I was so surprised and I was so impressed that this fan service, they were bringing in these other characters and they were making these callbacks and references. But it had a very specific point <clears throat> that made everything better. Even older movies are now strengthened mm-hmm. by virtue of what they're doing in this one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the the fan service here is deep. It's beautiful. It's intricate. It's emotional. I kid you not. I wept a couple times during this movie um, mm-hmm. about things. Uh, yeah. And and we'll get more into that in, in spoilers about the specific instances. But just, yeah, it all tying back to the idea of grace and love and sacrifice and what that means and, and you know, how far do you truly take that, uh, I just thought was was incredible stuff. Um, other general positives uh, that you guys had? Um, so, like you said earlier, we can,
3: if they're on the poster, we can talk <laughs> yes, about them. Yes. So, uh, two people that were brought back, I thought, really elevated their performance or it was just they were just as perfect as they were initially. Mm-hmm. And that's Alfred Alfred Molina and uh, uh, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, thank <sighs> you. Yeah. Um, Alfred Mer- Molina is just as amazing as he was in the Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. And for Willem Dafoe, it's interesting because... I went back uh, not recently, but like within the last couple of years I went back and I watched the original Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire.
1: Oh, I binged them all the last 2 weeks and that was a great decision. Oh, really? no, I would yeah. recommend anyone who hasn't seen this somehow and you're listening to this podcast rewatch every film. Yeah. All the Spider-Man ones anyway. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, that first Sam Raimi one is so comic booky.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I love Raimi's decisions in that.
3: And its it it serves that style well, but I was curious as to how those that performance, you know, mm-hmm. that exaggerated performance was going to lend itself to uh, a, a movie which is when I say more grounded in reality, I don't mean the world itself, but the performances, they feel like real emotions mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah, people in yeah. the MCU are, are portraying here. Um, so I was worried, not worried, but I was curious about Willem Dafoe's character. I think the performance he gives in this is so terrible terrifying and haunting that it it made me wonder what a movie with toby Maguire back in 2001 would look like if that's the if mm-hmm. that's the uh the theme the darkness that that they went with initially you know I, mm-hmm. it's it's another elseworld kind of thing that i'm curious about because it's very almost
1: slapsticky
3: that a uh, sam raimi one you know, intentionally and a slapstick, he may not be the best.
1: Uh, no, but I get what you're saying. It does have sort of a cartoon.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, flair to it. Um, but the way that Willem Dafoe transforms in this movie, that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde,
1: I forgot about that. You
3: know, and I'm oh, like, he's, he's oh, frightening
1: when he just like, when his smile just like upturns a little bit, it's yeah. like, Oh shoot. Something's about to go down. Mm-hmm. He just turned evil. Yeah, um, and it's it's so fascinating. We're 27 movies deep now into the MCU and Willem Dafoe in, in, in what is, uh, you know, part of a five part, uh, you know, villain ensemble here not only steals the show in this picture, but he might be one of the best villains in the entire MCU. And he's just calling back a performance from 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. He's that good. Yeah, yeah, but
3: that's my thing. Is he really calling back performance? He's calling back a character, but I think the performance is all so the that, way Yeah,
1: A better, better way to put it. But yeah, he, yeah, he's building on what he already did and improving on it. Yeah. And, and because we've already gone through, this is why I think one of the big strengths of No Way Home uh, and why the sort of overcrowded ensemble works really well is we don't waste any time Figuring out how did they get their powers? Why did they turn evil? What was their motivation before they turned evil? What are they (laughs) trying to do? It's (laughs) all cemented. And we already know that. So John Watts is able to go right to basically, let's start paying stuff off. Let's call back memes. Let's call back jokes. Let's throw in uh, cameos. And they're immediately able to pay off this stuff. Uh, Yeah, no, that had me howling. I was just cheering and applauding. This is such a fun movie because you just get to pay stuff off all the setups is done all the boring origin mm-hmm. story work we figured out for every one of these characters
2: yeah yeah uh, let's talk negatives uh, I really? have I have one uh, and it really is my okay. only negative um, but it's a fairly big one for me um, the doctor strange of it all didn't necessarily work for me in this uh, and I mean that in a couple ways number one, I feel like they do some things with Doctor Strange here that change my perception of him in, in large ways, um, both of his uh, characteristics as well as his uh, abilities. Um, and I don't necessarily want to go too much further into that other sure. than to say I felt like he, more than any other piece of this movie, fan service or otherwise, was a a story cog crafted to do a certain thing, and um, yes. and I, agree with and, that. I th- and I think that that does come through in this movie sometimes. And movies have to have story cogs. It's just unfortunate when you're the MCU that those cogs have to be such big players in your overall, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think
1: a word that I would use to describe him in this film is clumsy mm-hmm. and uncharacteristically so. Exactly, it's like he—he he is supposed to be, you know, the greatest wizard on the planet, and yet he, the, the entire you know start plot of this movie is that he screws up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how did you let when you're toying with things that could potentially open up a tear in the multiverse? You think you'd be a little more cautious than, ah, eh, let's just give it a wing. Mm-hmm. And that didn't seem to track with what we know about his character in the last what right. four appearances yes. of his. That uh, and then there are other moments where he seems to uncharacteristically uh, uh, portray a lot of sympathy for for Peter Parker, and it's like, does he? Does he even really know this kid outside of like that one interaction they had on the, in the Infinity War movie? Like mm-hmm. it, it seems it. Uh, some of that didn't track for me. That like, oh okay, I, I get that he cares about his colleague from the Avengers, but. Would he really be like sad or sympathetic towards because he seems kind of like a jerk Mm -hmm. dr dr strange stephen has always been kind of a jerky guy who doesn't seem like he cares about anybody else um and i think maybe we could have used his second movie somewhere in here that kind of redefines who he is post endgame uh because this character doesn't feel
2: like who i remember from his movie if that makes sense yeah no that's what i was saying yeah did you guys have any other andrew you said you had a couple
3: yeah, um, uh, actually, it's uh, going to performances. Uh, I'm going to go with Thomas Hayden Church and uh, Jamie Fox. Uh, Jamie Fox, less so for his performance, as opposed to him just being a totally different person than who he portrayed in The Amazing
1: Spider-Man Two. Mm-hmm. Like he was uh, yeah, so... Max Dillon's unrecognizable. Electro yeah. is kind of the same, but Max Dillon looks. Yeah,
3: different. not not only is is this character you know styled different but i think his personality it was is totally different too you know like it's it was so questionable like uh, you're not i mean if anything you're just being jamie fox here you know mm-hmm. you're being yeah. cool and charismatic and stuff and you have fair. some you got some swag to you and that's not who you were at all and as for thomas Hayden church i I think he's just as forgettable in this movie as he was in the uh, Amazing Spider-Man uh, or it was Spider-Man 3 wasn't it? Yeah, I right. think it was
2: 3. Yeah. 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 I
1: yeah, yeah, he I could have done without Hayden Church if I'm being honest. He, so, he yeah, he's just he didn't smarter. really add anything of value. But I, I know, think
2: I don't know that the movie could have done without him. Like he, like the what the movie is trying to do needs him. Um I yeah. think. But, so he's well, just I, I think I think
1: visually Sandman is a very interesting villain because he can tele- take up the whole screen. Mm-hmm. He can kind of consume people. And what you yeah. can do with that sort of floating amorphous blob of sand uh, is really interesting from a fight choreography and blocking perspective because it can just kind of like, all right, now the Sandman just eats the the entire scaffolding mm-hmm. that he's standing yeah. on. Um, yeah. And that works well when they need it to. But as a, as a character, Flint Marco was like, all right, whatever. Why is he... he why is he back? I thought we wrapped his arc. He had kind of a happy ending. Mm-hmm. The rest of these guys are sort of unresolved ghosts of the past, uh, and they're they're looking for their unfinished business. It, it felt like a good like uh, Are you afraid of the dark? Episode in that respect that like the ghosts are haunting this franchise because they have unfinished business, and you have to put it right, Spider Man. Mm-hmm. But with Flint Marco, yeah. it's like I, I thought he was all set.
2: <laughs> well, I so I, don't I mean we do know, get I don't a, really know why. we do get a cathartic moment. Uh, with him as far as, you know, um, without, again, without spoiling anything towards the end, like, it's not like he is left out of, you know, the, I'm trying to think how to non-spoilery say this, but um, it's, it's not like he's, he's left out of the, you know, the, the climax of the, the film. Client, yeah, No, so. I, no,
1: I agree with that. I, I, I do agree that he does have at least a, a conclusion here. Um, but I felt like he already kind of had one. He, sure. of the five that returned, he felt to me like uh, the least necessary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Followed it, very closely by lizard. Yeah, but it did not. It did not detract for me at all. Yeah, because Molina and Defoe are doing such great scenery chewing it's in, really in all them. the same scenes. It, yeah, I didn't. It didn't care. I didn't yeah. care at all.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think. I think we can in uh, there. Other than uh, for Andrew to tell you how many post credit scenes there are. Um. Well, there's <laughs> one post credit scene,
3: and then a trailer.
2: Yeah. That's, did you guys? I know you guys are the zero. For, uh frame pledgers which is oh, i just i just watched it it was part of the movie <laughs> did you guys get tricked I into walked watching out. a trailer i got i got tricked for about five seconds and i walked out and i was kind of angry i was just like look like look like if you're gonna do a teaser scene fine and if that teaser scene happens to be in the next movie as well okay that's cool but if you're gonna just show me a trailer like that's that that was that was really frustrating to me. So well, I, mean you're one I'm,
3: of 15 people in the world who has the zero frame pledge. So you uh, know,
2: we are mult, we are we are. There uh, are dozens. You are a legion. We are legion. <laughs> you are a legion. You uh, are many. <laughs>
3: I will just tell you, I,
2: I tweeted immediately to warn my fellow, uh, uh, you know, no trailer people and people. And that's why informed, I'm actually bringing so. it up here in the show because. Mm-hmm. If anything, that I I want to make sure I
3: say that now, as opposed to in spoilers, where we talk about everything else. That's a good else. point. Actually, mm-hmm. so yeah. uh, be warned: there is one post-credit scene. And then a trailer
2: at the very end. I was also so. mad because I had to go to the bathroom so bad by the end of that movie and I so waited, waited another minutes. five minutes for a movie yeah. trailer. It's just like Oh yeah. Oh I went to the bathroom and then came back. Yeah, I think you so were smart. After the first I think uh, you were smart. after the
3: first because <laughs> they're they're not gonna do like fifty it's not Guardians of the Galaxy two yeah. where they do like four thousand yeah mid credit scenes.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, but, uh
1: I will say oh, I will I will oh go ahead. Oh, I was going to say one more positive we haven't touched on is I felt the action sequences in this were really well photographed in a way that I think we saw a bit in, in Shang-Chi, but we had longer lenses, longer takes. It seemed like better choreographed and, and well-blocked action. Uh, there's a sequence on a highway with Doc Ock that I think uh, geographically made a lot of sense uh, in a way that Marvel movies are are far too frequently uh, they kind of gloss over it, and they just like let's just throw a bunch of stuff, and then they fight and they punch, and it's over. It's like, but this I actually understood the sort of the beginning, the middle, and the end, where the things were happening, what the tension was, what was at stake, and that scene I think worked really well because of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like I love seeing action in these movies, especially when you can follow it and it makes sense, even if you have the sound off.
2: Um I was just going to say that for the most part I you know when I talked about how well the fan service is is done here there are two examples of shallow fan service in this movie that I will uh, specify in uh spoilers but um but there were a you couple You didn't
3: appreciate? Right?
2: Yeah well I mean I could I could They were fine they were fun they didn't detract uh for me because okay. I got them um, but I can see them detracting for somebody else who may not have understood them. They were just shallow enough that that um that they didn't add a lot uh to it, and I will detail those in spoilers it it doesn't for me it doesn't negatively impact the movie at all. I just thought I would mention for somebody who's saying well, not all the fan service was you know deep and meaningful no I, I hear you i I know there were a couple moments one of them wasn 't even in the proper the movie proper, so um that one almost doesn't count but um but yeah, well, we can talk about those in spoilers. Uh, Interested
1: to hear what those moments
2: yeah, are. Sure. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's going to be a long spoiler cast. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Just we should move that. on then. We should move on then. Let's talk about being the Ricardos.
0: Why is this coming out now?
3: Lucille Ball's a threat to the American way of life.
1: Does the
2: FBI have any case against Lucy? I need you to help me save my marriage. How many times I gotta explain where I was and what I was doing? You gotta
0: explain. Are
2: you been funny one I'm Lucille Ball. When I'm being funny, you'll know
0: it. This is getting out of hand. Oh, Have you been cheating on me? The story's made up. If they boo me, if they boo you, we're done.
2: <laughs> the movie follows Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz as they face a crisis that could end their careers and another that could end their marriage. Uh, being Ricardo's stars, Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz, uh, Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball. You've got J.K. Simmons in there uh, as William Frawley and uh, Nina Nina Arianda as Vivian Vance as well as some other people show up that you might know. Um, what would you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, uh, kick us off on this one. I loved it. Nice, nice. I yeah. should have mentioned uh, in my intro, uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. Um, oh yeah. So it's, it's his third
1: movie. directorial feature after that's Chicago correct. Seven
2: and I just Molly's I, I Game. Just, that's it, Molly's yeah. Game. Uh, John, what about you? Uh, I really liked it. So high side of liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm bordering on High Side of Liked It, Low Side of Loved It. I think I'm landing on High Side of Liked It. Um, I think this okay. is a really fun It's a good week. Good movie. Yeah, good good week for movies we're discussing. Although yeah, you're not wrong, John, a little bit of whiplash. Um so, I just meant in terms of the styles, going from the two hundred million dollar mm-hmm.
1: you know, extravagant yeah. fan service, crowd pleasing blockbuster to this. Almost like two. Honestly, locations. I
3: thought you were making a J.K. Simmons joke. <laughs> oh, that works too.
2: He's in all he three was. of those. He's rooms. in all he's three. In, yeah. In, in, in hindsight, Spider-Man, he's in this. Yeah. In hindsight, he is uh, making a yeah. J.K. Simmons joke. Uh, Andrew, why don't you kick us off? Since it sounds like you loved it the most, tell us some things you loved about it.
3: Well, I got to uh, preface up front: I have seen every single episode of I Love Lucy, so right. I don't know oh, if my right. love for the show, you know, was just heightened and elevated like. I know it's not, you know, a documentary by any, by any means, but getting that behind the scenes, what it might have been like, you know, really on the set and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fascinating. I will say that I thought casting was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that <laughs> Javier Bardem it gave a great performance in this movie. He looks an actor. X nothing like Desi. Nothing like
1: Desi. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I was gonna gonna say the same thing. Like he's good in this, but like he resembles Desi Arnaz uh, in no way, shape, or form. Because I think he's
3: even older than Nicole Kidman, (laughs) and I think the whole joke was that, uh, you know, uh, Desi Arnaz is younger than Lucille Ball, Mm -hmm. and there's there's a joke in this movie, or not a joke, but a statement where uh, Nicole Kidman's like. Uh, desi arnaz he's not spanish he's never been to spain and i'm like you cast a spaniard (laughs) (laughs) as desi arnaz yeah um but uh, i think that uh again javier bardem is great in this movie i think that everybody's performance like going down lucille desi uh, vivian william they're all great everybody who was you know, Fred Nethel, Ricky Ricardo, Lucille Ball, they were all
1: great performances. Yeah, um, J.K. Simmons actually was nominated for the CCA for, for playing uh, mm-hmm. the... The the, his, the actor he's playing escapes me, but Fred.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah William Frawley was the actor's name. Um, okay. Yeah, Nicole yeah. also received a nomination for her performance, uh, too. So, yeah. I, I was
3: actually surprised uh, oh, Nina show, yeah. Arianda did not get uh, as much love because I thought her perform or portrayal as Vivian was great i loved the behind the scenes work with that character and like seeing the inside you know scope of like yes i'm supposed to be this young woman who's married to this old man who doesn't see me as beautiful and like her struggles with the character that she's portraying and stuff like that i was like wow this is fascinating and i love the the inside look into this yeah the inside mainly that's my big takeaway from this movie is getting the behind the curtains look the one,
2: in, uh, one of my favorite shows the inside baseball uh if you will uh-huh. So, uh-huh. There you go. uh i um, <laughs> i too loved uh the uh, nina's performance in this in fact uh, as much as i love nicole kidman always been one of my favorites and I do think she's great here. Uh, I think Nina is the best of our lead four. And I'm so glad to hear you say that too, Andrew. Yeah. Um, I, and, and in addition to that, I also agree that the stuff that's going on with her is sometimes the most compelling stuff in the movie. Um, yes. You know, the, the scene um, where her and Lucille are talking about her character is, to me, the highlight of the film. I I was moved by it. Uh, it worked for me. Um, and there's plenty here that works. I mean, it's Sorkin, right? Like, I mean, there's, yeah. you know, we should probably talk about the Sorkin of it all. Uh, if for no other reason for me to say, like, I'm in the bag for Sorkin. Like, he just he just writes stuff that works for me. I like, I just, yeah. I, I watch his movies and I'm just like, uh, just like, yeah, say it that way. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> Great scene. Oh, that's amazing. Like, I, I think something with, with
1: Sorkin's work, uh, certainly anything he's penned, is at a baseline, it's never worse than very great. <laughs> right. Uh and, and occasionally he he kind of hits it above that. Um, but he has been for me the last like four or five pictures I've rated like right along that low side of loved it, high side of liked it, uh range. Like four or five mm-hmm. movies. Like I there's not been a single movie that I've I felt was like best picture worthy or anything, but even the worst one is extremely entertaining.
2: Yeah. 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 No, I I agree. Here, and he's consistent in that regard. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed all that stuff. Like I said, I think, uh, I think Nicole Kidman is doing great here. She's not doing an impersonation, you know, she's doing an impression, um, which, you know, the, the slight differences in how people mean that can mean different things to different people. What I mean by that is she's not trying to become Lucille Ball here. She is trying to, uh, give a performance that echoes who that person was, um, uh, you know, which, you know, can be an interesting distinction to make, but I think it works. You know, you just buy it, you just suspend the disbelief, and you just go for it. Um, I,
1: th- I think an important discussion here is that there was, for whatever reason, backlash over Kidman's casting because a lot of people felt she didn't look like Lucille. Um, and That's I can see shit. that. I-, I can see some of that complaint, certainly. But when they put her hair up and they put her in the outfit and they shot her in black and white on that set, it was like, whoa, I, yeah. I feel like we're back on. Mm-hmm. You know, Nick at Night, or if if you're old enough to remember the original airing of the show on CBS in the '50s, then uh, this would be a real trip for Aaron. you. Which, to be but- clear, none of us are. Uh, <laughs> yes, just to be clear, <laughs> uh, but I think what's really important to point out is that this is not a movie uh, about Lucy Ricardo. This is a movie about Lucille Ball, mm-hmm. and yes. uh, she, the actress was uh, much different than the character she portrayed on TV. T- on TV, she was sort of a clumsy kind of calculating and, and klutz that was endearing and funny and always had like a scheme to one up her husband. But in real life, she was like a, a very shrewd and smart, uh, comedic genius, uh, for lack of a better word. And I think Nicole taps into that aspect of
2: her persona exceptionally well. Um, well, it's kind and of, I think the if you've of the point you ever watched, movie, right? Like it's kind yeah, of the no, point absolutely. of the film. Um, yeah. And I think the, the the other thing, one of the other things I loved is how well it's portrayed. Like the idea of her creativity, the idea of her mind is given some really interesting visualizations in this. That She's I think constantly really work.
1: workshopping. Mm-hmm. She's constantly yeah. working on the next yeah. gag.
2: Yeah, totally. And that was
1: yeah. that was really fun to see. the
3: fun, The best part about this movie for me uh, is the fact that Nicole Kidman's performance of Lucille Ball, like uh, you said, John, isn't showing her as. Lucy Ricardo, you're you know it's showing you Lucille Ball behind the scenes. She is confident, smart. She's yeah. not being funny when she doesn't have to be. She's like, I know this will be funny. Come uh, time to record, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna tell you why it's funny. I'm not gonna show you why it's funny. Listen to me, believe me. I know comedy. Yeah, and it's yeah. the whole whole movie's like that. I don't think there's really any. F- if many funny moments besides uh, J.K. Simmons doing a couple bits, but this whole movie,
1: interestingly no, enough. It's a, it's a serious drama. It is like yeah. definitely not a comedy at all. And yeah, I think uh, some people might have got the wrong idea about it.
2: Yeah, exactly. I laughed quite a it's, bit. I thought, I thought there was – like I like that writer's room stuff, like between yeah. – um, oh, what's her name from Arrested Development? Oh, um, uh, Aliyah yeah.
3: Shaw – Shaf- Hot Shock, Shock H- is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. and uh,
2: Jake Lacey. Uh, they're, yeah. like, their kind of repartee, and just, you can tell Sorkin loves the idea of, you know, uh, digging into oh. a writer's room, and how they talk in to the each games. other, and that kind of stuff, so there's, there's a lot of There's even a lot of
1: walkie-talkie in this
3: movie,
2: yeah, too. Yeah, there's. there's, there's <laughs> I,
1: I would say, this, this is funny the same way the West Wing was funny. Like, yes, occasionally sure. there were moments of levity that because of the setting, and because of the serious drama around it, when those yeah. moments land, they land harder. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also say uh, to pull another television uh, reference, if you've seen or enjoyed any part of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which Mm -hmm. was Aaron's, I think, third TV show after Mm -hmm. West Wing and Sports Night, um, this felt like a better version of that uh, because Studio 60 was a make-believe show that was designed to look like SNL, but it never really existed. So people didn't really buy into it. And it's just comedy late night. I Love Lucy was watched by 60 million people a week for, you know, whatever it was, six seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was serious. Yeah, it, 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 at least in, in the realm of television, I Love Lucy is as big as it gets and as important as it gets. Uh, and I think Aaron really appreciated being able to play in that sort of sandbox and like, Oh, let, let's, I, I love writing for TV. And I love the idea of getting into the writer's room and pulling back the curtain of Hollywood. Uh, but Studio 60 only lasted for one season. Cause I think that fictionalized element, didn't really pull people in this I think worked um, precisely because it was based on a real event.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Or it, an amalgamation of events repurposed into a single timeline. <laughs> uh, Cause all the stuff that happens here, uh, Lucy getting caught up in the red scare and, and uh, the sort of infidelity at the core of their marriage and the success of the show itself. Those were all issues that happened, but it was spread out over a couple seasons, right? A yeah. couple years.
3: The ending of this movie was so amazing for me. I loved the the I guess the uh, the culmination of everything falling down at the same time. Like the mm-hmm. movie's been building up to it, you yes. know, like are they going to, you know, take care of one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing, you know. You no, know, the movie's like, no, we're going to resolve everything and now <laughs> and then it's over.
2: Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I do like the the resolutions uh, in this movie and how they play out, and I mean that's you know uh, that was actually one of my uh, problems with Trial of Chicago Seven was some of the resolutions seemed a little sudden in and, and weird, but here everything seems to kind of flow directly towards uh, towards the outlet. So yeah, I, I, I would well. say
1: if you're not a fan of Sorkin's other projects, I don't think this one's going to win you over necessarily. No, All I don't the think same. So. All the same, like, really overly talky tropes are here. Uh, Characters have a tendency to explain rather than show. Uh, And everyone is so intelligently articulate. It's almost unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, Ooh. that being said, I think if you do like Sorkin's writing and you do like the overly articulate, which I happen to enjoy, uh, this, this movie definitely works.
3: Mm-hmm. I think that the overly articulate element of this movie actually would make sense given the characters that are being portrayed. Yeah, no,
1: it, it kinda it definitely kind of fits for sure. Yeah.
3: yeah. It, more but than like, more no, so no than one like, ever
1: stumbles, no one ever says uh once. Yeah. No one's like, ah, wait a minute. Um, no one has to catch their thought mid-sentence like mm-hmm. real people do. Um, that's just sort of would
3: never cast me in any of his movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No,
1: it's just if, if any character at any point just paused and said, Uh, do you know what I mean? They'd be like, Nope, get off the set, forget it. <laughs> You're never <laughs> that's, not here.
2: that's not what we do. Yeah, uh, any final thoughts on being the Ricardos? No, uh, post-courtesy. scene. That is true. That is true.
1: Um, oh, I, I do have one final thought. Uh, it was wonderful to see Ronnie Cox on screen again. He is 83 years old. I know him as playing Captain uh, Jellico on a couple episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation 30 mm. years ago. Nice. Um, and he was also, he's famously the bad guy in RoboCop. Um, and he played one of the older uh, fake documentary interviews that kind of wrapped around the, the picture. And I thought Ronnie retired like 10 years ago. I haven't seen him in anything in such a long time. So to mm-hmm. see him back on screen for just a very minor role was like, oh, neat. Good for him. Yeah.
2: Uh, some nice, uh, counterintuitive casting is my final thought of Tony Hale, uh, as kind of the, the mean the boss. Straight man. man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that didn't work for me. It worked for me. I, I like the no, He, he role, So
1: yeah, yeah he, Tony, Tony Hale, especially if you've seen him in Veep, he's just like this bumbling or yes arrested man. development. Just,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And everyone yeah. just rolls over him. And in this movie, he kind of puts his foot down in one mm-hmm. scene and I was like, yeah, you go for it. Like, yeah. I, I liked his I actually character.
3: really liked that scene a lot. Yeah. It, no, it, was, it was good. Yeah, there was, it was a lot
1: of really good dramatic conflict uh, that was hashed out one on one in those individual scenes. And the one you mentioned, Aaron, with uh, Nicole Kidman and mm-hmm. Nina was, I think, particularly compelling.
2: Imagine that. Uh, yeah. Great one on one hashing out of conflict in an Aaron Sorkin movie. Uh, Just, I don't, I don't believe it. Right, you know what? Can't I it do it
3: have happened. one more, one last thing. Sure. But one more. will be thing. my true one last thing. Mm-hmm. Go and watch I Love Lucy. And try and appreciate and understand that the woman you're seeing on screen is not only the funniest female genius in my mind of all time, but also one of the funniest genius comedy minds in general. Mm-hmm. I think I actually I actually went
1: and uh, uh, and sought out the the episode that this entire movie is sort of built around, which is mm-hmm. uh, Fred and Ethel have a fight. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually from season one. The the, sh- the movie pretends it's season two hundred four. Yeah, uh, but I, I watched a little bit of that and I was like, "This is oh, great! <laughs> this is just great!" Realized, they actually get a lot of it, th- like the 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 blocking, the the dialogue, the way it's staged, the 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 events that mm-hmm. unfold. It's like they they kind of faithfully yeah. recreated a lot of the elements yeah. uh, from this sixty something year old episode of TV.
3: <laughs> I forgot my big negative for the movie. <laughs> just don't, just now realized I didn't say my negative. Sure, this movie has some time jumps around that are so confusing that yeah, I was like, wait when is this taking place and when is this taking place? Like there are like, it's because everybody looks the exact same throughout different periods in time that Mm -hmm. you're like, I don't understand when this particular moment is taking place. Yeah. And uh, that's my big negative for the movie.
1: I actually, I listened to a quick um, uh, podcast with Aaron Sorkin uh, being interviewed about this film and he he revealed they actually use some de-aging, uh technology Mm -hmm. on um javier and nicole kidman and those flashback sequences and i was like i i I did not notice that you did it so subtly that i didn't notice and almost to the point like if i'm not noticing that there any difference in age what was the point right yeah you you want it to be a little bit obvious like oh okay this this telegraphs this is when they first met it's 10 years (laughs) earlier uh, and I, I definitely agree with you on that one, Andrew. It was, or
3: you know, save a couple million dollars on the de aging and just say, yeah. just give you know, her three give years her back. Ago, That's it. Three years give ago, three years ago, title
1: at the bottom, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. Just give Nicole Kidman bangs. And that's how we know she's younger. <laughs> the universal yeah. sign for being young. is Yeah. Bangs, exactly.
2: Of course. Now I'm done talking about the movie. All right. Fair enough. That is being the Ricardos uh, in theaters now and on Amazon prime next week. I believe it drops. Yes. Uh, so it yep. will be able to see very, very soon. Uh, before we head into the best ever challenge, just a reminder that we are so very thankful for the members of Sif Pop at Patreon. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash to check out what it's all about. We do a bonus episode for certain levels of our membership uh, every single week. And this week we talked about the Critics' Choice Awards nominations and got a little feisty. A little,
1: yeah, was, I was going to say, some uh, some shade was thrown.
2: Yeah, throwing of shade, some fangs came out. It How uh, <laughs> dare boring.
1: you not care about
3: young actor-actress
2: <laughs> categories? <laughs> uh, you can check that out if you are a member and if you are not a member and you're interested in what Goes on there. Just go hit up the website and check it for yourself. Starts at three dollars a month, and there's all sorts of fun stuff uh, that we do with our members. So Patreon.com/sifpop. And thank you so much uh, to those who keep us going here on the podcast and the website. So appreciate it very, very much.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread? Soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas. Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited-edition ultra-low-net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right, let's move into our Best
2: Ever Challenge. We're going to do best, Best Ever Crossover Movies in honor of uh spider-man no way home bringing in those villains uh so these are movies where universes collide in some way or another where you're like hey wait you're from two different you know projects how are you in the <laughs> you're same not from that thing. <laughs> you're not from that thing you're from that other thing uh so um <clears throat> we'll go from number five to number one and uh and just kind of talk about our our choices um I'll start us off with my number five. Uh, my number five is Star Trek Generations. Um, you know this, yes. this? Oh, we got it. Trump. We'll talk about like, it here in a little wait, bit. Wait, John's on the show. <laughs> why are you even attempting? Yes, it's true. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. I already,
1: I already mentioned Star Trek just just a few minutes ago. That's true. You did,
2: yeah. uh, Andrew. Why don't you go next? What do you got? Free guy. Nice. Let's talk about it.
3: Yeah, uh, it's mainly uh, uh, the movie did come out this year. Can we do spoilers and stuff on it, or
1: I, what uh, you're going to talk about? I would not really consider a, a big spoiler. It's it's a cameo. Yeah, um, I'll allow it.
2: It's just, I mean, I don't think we have to say anything other than you know Disney uh, owns everything, and so now they're putting it in their their movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just this think is of one the of things those that Disney that, owns, and you yeah. can you can imagine the what's crossed over here.
3: But initially this was a Fox film. I think this is one of those yeah, uh, like one of the, the final film. films that Fox was doing before the uh the integration of everything. Mm-hmm. Actually it was before yeah. the the final purchase even I think mm-hmm. this movie was in development. Yeah. But uh yeah, at the end of this movie, we get some Marvel cameos and some, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, uh it's probably my favorite bit of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a simple bit, but it's just
1: so great. And uh, it's, a, it's like a two second cutaway. And I, I was just yeah. like, oh my gosh, that was so great. Yeah. It, it's completely unnecessary, but it's the kind of little cherry you can just drop in with like a second shoot late in post production. And it adds so much. To, yeah just the enjoyment so exactly.
2: philosophically here is this actually a crossover between different movies or is it a crossover between fake and real reality because, i think it's the latter right yeah isn't it interesting to think because you think of those things as movies but in here they're not movies <laughs> like you know what i mean like it's it's i don't know I, it's one of those interesting things but yeah it's uh no it's, i think what you mean is,
3: is in this movie it's not an unknown. It's a, it's a known movie
2: franchise Correct. within this movies right.
3: universe. Yeah,
2: right. It's not. It's not like you know Iron Man. The sh- characters aren't, shows the up characters here. Aren't yeah, the IP yeah, exactly. Yeah, the yeah. IP. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. That's, That's my good. number five. Uh, John, what do you got at number five? Uh, this is this is where I had Star Trek Generation. Oh, we both had it at number five. Very nice. Yeah. Very you
1: nice. Trump liar, you! <laughs> I, I do. Well, before we before we jump into talking about. Uh, um Will Shatner and uh Patrick Stewart. Uh, I want to say this particular category was very difficult to kind of piece together five entries for because uh so much of the crossover genre in cinema is horror movies, Freddy versus Jason is a big sure. one obviously, sure. Alien, Predator. And I have uh regretfully not or maybe maybe fortunately not seen any of those movies. Mm-hmm. Um in any uh no, of fine. those yeah, I don't I don't I know that I'm not missing much <laughs> but um so generations is is i think a crossover it counts even though they're within the same universe it's established within you know the, the the timeline and the continuity but yeah to finally see the captain of the first show team up with the captain of the second show uh it was awesome i i don't feel like they did enough together to make it super interesting for fans mm-hmm. they just yeah kind of talk and then they get in a really boring fight with malcolm mcdowell on a cliff and it, it's 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 <laughs> honestly it's kind of very anticlimactic <laughs> It's just it's a bunch of old seventy year old men fighting in the sun. It's just not not a great it's not a great you're team. not wrong. you're not wrong but yeah. at the same time, seeing them together is like it was it was definitely uh like a dream come true for so many fans.
2: yeah, I agree. that is also why I had it at number five was just the incredible it's it's you know, it's Picard, it's Kirk and you know, they're together um and it' it's decent it's it's a good watch. It's not like it's a terrible movie, but it's you know. You're right. They could have done more with it, Um, but uh,
1: Generations is one of those films that I I love as a fan, but as like an objective critic, there's so many problems with it, and I I could easily see any reasonable person uh, give this either a ten or a one and Mm -hmm. be perfectly justified with that rating. It's just a weird movie where the things it does well are incredible, and there's so much it does wrong. Yeah, that uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a complicated experience, I think. But
2: for Trek fans, it's necessary. All right, let's move into our number fours. Uh, I think it's me at number four. Uh, this is where I had Wreck-It Ralph. Um, me too. So, oh, you had your Wreck-It Ralph at number four for you as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I really love this movie. I think we've even talked recently, I think, about the hot streak that Disney Animation is on and just how, you know, uh, you've just—they just keep delivering these just really great movies one after another. And Wreck-It Ralph is is in that uh, group. The crossover, of course, has to do with different video game franchises. There are actual franchises in here like from
3: different platforms,
2: Pac-Man and Mario and Street Fighter and just all sorts of uh, you know crossover stuff going on. Um, but yeah, this is a lot of fun. This is uh, mm-hmm. this is great. So wreck it Ralph. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I think seeing the different game properties, especially in the the Power Surge Protector Grand Central Station, mm-hmm. uh, is is just a delight. I rewatched this with my daughter not long ago, and just seeing like Bowser and Pac Man and what's his name from Street Fighter just interacting mm-hmm. was was just uh, yeah. was just so much fun. Uh, yeah.
3: uh, bison and bison Bi- and bison. That's right. Yeah. 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 I love my favorite part was the uh, it's I think it might be the first scene in the movie, but it's the villain support group. Yeah, yeah, you no, know, exactly. you yeah, like, yeah, 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 um, I'll say this uh, not only for the movie, but for my list in general. Uh, I was actually I put a lot of stringencies on myself for making my list where like a. Uh, you guys talked about Star Trek earlier. I would not have put that on my list because mm. it's within the same universe. That's why was, I, was,
1: I wanted to stipulate, that it's its a difficult category because that's not technically a crossover because it is within the same existing continuity. But yeah,
3: I, I had to is, give
1: some leeway because otherwise it'd be a yeah. real short list.
3: Which is why I won't have movies like The Avengers as a crossover because it's a culmination of everything within the same universe. Um so
2: I just wanted to clarify that for well, two well, but we we'll
1: talking about it regardless.
2: But but it's interesting and I'm just and I totally get what you did and I totally respect it but it's interesting because once you have the crossover it does exist in the same universe. So no matter what movie it's in the same universe. So <laughs> that's the point. The point. <laughs> so like so for me it was about it was about the crossover of two you know, films or TV shows sure. or video games or those kind of things. So, yeah,
3: I just wanted to say that for moving forward, you're going to wonder why certain right, movies right. aren't on my yes, list. That makes sense. That's, that's
2: why. Yeah, that makes sense.
3: Otherwise, yes, <laughs> my list would be very
1: different. <laughs>
3: um, but yeah, Wreck Ralph, that's my number four. So John, your number four.
1: So I was accidentally reading the wrong list of mine before I sorted it. Um, I actually had generations at three. But uh, <laughs> so my, my actual my actual number five. Uh, was we're on the subject was Wreck-It Ralph two? Oh,
2: okay. Not because
1: it's a, not because it's a better movie than the first. It's definitely not. But the scene with the Disney princesses needs to be its own property because that was yeah. so much fun mm-hmm. seeing uh, Ariel and Elsa and Jasmine all sort yeah. of use their powers in tandem. Uh, there, there's only I think there's really only two scenes where they're in but they absolutely saved this film and it was so much fun. strong man
3: needs saving. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, seeing, seeing them together yeah. uh, and, and sort of the, the, the comedy they're able to mine out of those princess tropes and damsels in distress yeah. was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and, and, and because uh, the same way the first one does, they pull from the different video games and the different internet places in a way that's just so creative and interesting. Um, Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet is not a great film, but I wanted to spend more time kind of exploring their version of the internet because sure. uh, it was kind of fun.
3: Nice. So is Vanellope officially a Disney
2: princess now? She is. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I don't know who gets to decide those things, but uh, – Disney. Well,
1: <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> but I don't I think, think the I criteria don't... is just there's 60 Disney animated films in the, in the Walt Disney Animation Studios canon, and if the female character is at all royal, it just de facto you become a – Pocahontas is a Disney princess, and she's not really – by any means royalty Mm -hmm. or wears a dress, but she's the female lead in a Disney animated film. So, or an adult. Yeah. (laughs) So So what I was saying is
2: I don't think there is an official Disney list. Is there like Disney doesn't like maintain some sort of, I bet they do internally. I guarantee you they do internally have those conversations, but as far as like, I think it would be too treacherous for them to like say, okay, here's where you go to see who we've officially anointed as the Disney princesses, or whatever. Uh, maybe a
1: better question is: Is Penelope a walk-around
2: face character in the parks? That's that's a great question. Yeah, if she uh, is, then yes, absolutely. Drew a was
3: saying that there is a official Disney princess list. Okay, and that Penelope is not on that list.
2: Uh, and I, I don't know where that list is, but um, but yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'd have to look that up. Uh, okay, Aaron, you're number three. My number three is the Lego Movie. Um, Trump. Uh, I wondered oh, if good. you might. I, I completely forgot this existed,
1: but this would probably be top near the top.
2: Of my yeah, list. yeah. All right, what do you got at number three, uh, Andrew? This is where I have Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. Nice. Good pick. I haven't
1: seen it yet, but I've heard a lot about this franchise.
3: It might be one of the funniest movies ever made. Yeah. Genuinely, it's it's. I've heard that. Pure genius. I mean. <laughs> including Evan Costello in the dark u- in uh in a universal's dark universe is just the smartest thing ever because it's not only uh in this movie, they don't only only meet uh Frankenstein, also, you get Dracula and the Wolfman in this movie as well, and you get a very quick cameo at the very end from the Invisible Man. Uh, I grew up watching Abbott and Costello movies, and this is easily the funniest one, I think. I think this is, yeah. And out of all those like slapstick groups, like uh, Laurel and Hardy, Three Stooges, Bowery Boys, I think Abbott and Costello is my favorite, too. So that's why it has such a special place in my heart.
1: It's so good. I, this has been on my watch list for a while. i got to bump it to the top. Because when we did this category, I was thinking, oh, man, I wish I had time to watch this before Friday. Because uh, I, I, this is the kind of movie I, I know I'm going to enjoy.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: So thank you for the wreck.
2: Uh, all right. So I think that means John's John's movie. number four, technically. <laughs> uh- <laughs> oh, four. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my
1: uh, yeah, we're, we're we're listing at third, but my fourth favorite is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Nice. Uh, and this was sort of the the ultimate crossover and culmination of the View Askew universe from Kevin Smith. So we got to see all the different characters from Chasing Amy and Dogma and Mallrats and Clerks in this weird uh, uh just zany slapsticky road trip style comedy with jay and silent bob at the center um, and when it came out in 2004 or, or was it 2003 uh i would have been uh, you know at the prime age to appreciate this like stoner comedy stuff right around the same time that white uh harold and camargo to white castle and dude where's my car it was that crop of movies that if you were like between 16 Nineteen uh, you thought this stuff was absolutely hilarious uh I rewatched it recently a lot of it does not hold up, but I think that's just because I've matured and I'm a dad now and it's just it seems so silly and dumb mm-hmm. but if you're in the mood for like silly and dumb comedies and you like Kevin Smith's style, this movie's really fun and and yeah. they do a lot of crossover stuff and and great cameos from people like Mark Hamill and Matt Damon are in here and it's just it's a lot of fun
2: yeah. Uh, All right, I think we're on to our number twos then, and uh, should be all of our actual number twos now. Uh, Let's see. Mm -hmm. My number two is Out of Sight. Um, This was was an interesting poll because both Jackie Brown and Out of Sight came out the same. Michael Keaton's character. Michael Keaton's character crosses over. It's a real weird thing. One's a Soderbergh movie. One's a Tarantino movie. And I was trying, I initially had Jackie Brown on my list, but I think technically yeah. the crossover is out of sight because Jackie Brown came first. So I had no
1: idea these movies were related. Well, they're
3: based on a, uh, the characters from a book, right? The mm-hmm. Michael I Keaton think so. character is yes. a book character. Yeah. And they just used him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And they used Michael Keaton in both instances. So, um, so, yeah, so I, again, I've seen uh, Out of Sight, knocked it off my list to ch- shame just recently within the last year or so, and just absolutely adored it. Um, so, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Out of Sight. So, there you go.
3: Definition of sexual
1: chemistry, right yeah,
3: here. Yeah,
2: it's in the sexual tension is just, yeah, that is the, the textbook, uh, this movie. Yeah.
1: So, uh, if, if literary <laughs> characters across, does that mean like anyone in the Alex Cross? universe could kind of count as a crossover? If it's the
2: same, it's the same actor portraying them, sure. It, it, only if it's the same actor, not the uh, same That's how character. I took yeah, Yeah, okay. to me, because Michael Keaton plays the same character in two different movies, to me, that is a clear crossover of that. I, I, think, that that's, I think that's a
1: fair stipulation. Yeah, so. Just wanted to clarify
2: that. Um, that all right. Good pick. Number two, Andrew. I'm going to go with Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, oh, that's a good that's one. Definitely in my honorable I, mentions. I completely missed this one.
3: yeah um it's i mean this is the what people would consider like the magnum opus of crossover movies because it's one of the first where like oh they did it how did they get all of the properties to agree especially disney and time warner to agree to have characters side by side doing you know more adult themed comedy, like as opposed to like when I say adult theme, I mean like the violence and stuff. Like, especially that Daffy Donald Duck piano battle, you know, mm-hmm. where they're just like going after each other, is a highlight. Um, yeah, my first uh, romantic crush ever as a child was Jessica Rabbit. So, well, that's yeah.
1: that's certainly an attainable goal that has never wrecked you. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mess with you at all. Yeah, no. thanks, appreciate it. <laughs> But, um,
1: uh, that, that's a, that's a, such a classic film. I got to rewatch that one again because it is. Uh, they, they they're they're doing stuff in Roger Rabbit that has not been equaled since, and this came out thirty something years ago.
3: Yeah, uh, recently I saw an interview with somebody. I wish I could remember who it was, but they it was supposed to be them cast in Bob Hoskins' place, and I think it was. I don't think it was Jim Carrey, but it was somebody like that. Where I'm like, oh, it, it was a, it was a straight up comedy person, and I That's was like, interesting. oh, interesting,
1: yeah, Bob exactly. Hopkins it works because he's really not. He's just like yeah, because he's the straight man. He's just like a regular kind of dude. He's kind. And of it
3: was a uh, scheduling conflict with this person who was a, who was supposed to be Bob Hoskins' character. Um, I want to say Jim Carrey, but I don't think it
1: was. I'll have to look it up. Hmm. But, but uh, yeah, do, who frame do, do so is while I talk, and you can get back to us on it. Uh, anyway, my number two. Um, this after after your criticism, Andrew, about the same universe stuff, it feels a little bit like a cheat, um, but not quite. I'm going to go with uh, X-Men: Days of Future Past. I think seeing uh, the 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 prequel young cast mixed with the old original cast from the the Michael what was, what was it Brian Singer, not, not Michael Singer, Michael uh, Brian Singer films um, that was a that was a treat to see, you know, James McAvoy mix it up with Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen mix it up with with Fastbender. Uh, and I think the icing on the cake was that the movie was actually really good. And the the conceit of getting these two people together in this like time travel, we have to fix the different disparate universes was really well done. And it was super satisfying, I think, as a comic book fan. I only wish this was the last movie they did because um, I feel like what they released after were a, you know, a little disappointing. Minus yeah. Logan, obviously. Logan was yeah. great, but they probably should have ended on this one.
2: Oh, how long how long do we have to wait uh, for the X-men to be back on uh, screens when is Disney gonna pull the the trigger it's uh, I' say three years you think three years three more years I think three more years oh, I can't imagine I, I, I don't they have to show up in a post-credit scene in 2022 I would think I don't know man. I just I'm so curious about what they're planning with uh, Fantastic Four and X Men and how to work that into the. It, MCU, it so. is it
1: is it is genuinely um, a bit perplexing that Feige's been sitting on this now because they they emerged with uh, Fox what two years ago mm-hmm. or so yeah. when it was like official yeah um, and as far as we know they don't have anything with Fantastic Four or X Men.
2: Even in I production? Love it. I, no, no, no. I love it because it is the exact opposite of the approach that kind of killed the DC universe. and didn't kill it. Yeah. Obviously, it's still going, but it, was so, it made it uh, so difficult the, and treacherous. The cart before the horse. Yeah. It's just like rushing into it. Trying. It's like if there's one thing Feige doesn't, he doesn't rush into things, and he's willing to throw out, you know. Yeah, uh, It might
1: be phase six before we get to this yeah, stuff, and so we'll have to be very patient, but hopefully, I think, yeah. When we do get it, it will be well formed and well established and well hyped, and it'll That's work. That's the
2: hope. That's the hope. Like I said, I should quit. Uh, I should quit doubting that Marvel knows how to play with their toys, because uh, yeah. they they definitely do. Um, I love this pick. It was in my honorable mentions. Uh, so. Yeah, it's a, it a
1: real, really fun film.
2: So on to our number ones. Uh, I will kick us off. I have the Avengers uh, at number one. Um, I just think this is to me is the ultimate example of taking different properties and building them up to a place where they can cross over. And, um, yeah. So love the Avengers. Uh, absolutely. It's my number one. Um, Andrew, what do you got at number one
3: real quick? It was Eddie Murphy who was initially supposed to play Bob Hoskins character. Oh,
1: Okay. That would have been different. Yeah, definitely.
3: (laughs) Uh, this is where I have the Lego movie.
1: Okay. Okay. That's great too.
3: Yeah. um, yeah, this is just a giant conglomerate culmination of every property ever mm-hmm. <laughs> because technically, you know, a lot of the licensing agreements that Lego has is not solely for, uh, you know, toy production. It's also mm-hmm. because if you think about it, they have Lego Marvel shows, mm-hmm. I guess, and they have Lego, uh, DC shows, mm-hmm. so
1: many things that I'm like... It, oh. it was so much fun to see like yeah. Superman and Batman in this oh. context. Will Arnett's, Batman, Will Arnett's is, Batman, I think, is my favorite Batman. More than Christian Bale, more than Michael Keaton, Will Arnett is just... There's something <laughs> he's doing here that works so well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: First
3: try. I, <laughs> still,
1: I still quote that in my house once a week. First try. <laughs> it, 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 presuming I miss five times previous, then yeah. I'll I have Still a works.
2: video of me at the age of like nine and we were on vacation and playing mini golf and it, my dad is filming me and I miss and I bring it back and I go, this is my this is my first try everybody. And then I do that like five more times and so when I saw that I was just like, hey, that's me at the mini golf. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's
3: that's cute. <laughs> mulligan. 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 Yeah, yeah exactly. yeah." yeah. But uh, yeah, this is one of the funniest movies ever and there's a shocking emotional gut punch at the end that it did not see coming
1: i think nobody did there was something about this movie nobody had high expectations for it. we all thought no. it was like a shameless merchandise cash grab and it mm-hmm. ended up being like so much more than that and yeah. uh i think because of those low expectations everybody kind of ended up loving it yeah and uh completely agree this is a fantastic film
2: Yep, I agree. Uh, I yep. had it at number three. It is is one of the greats. Uh, John, what yep. do you
1: got at number one? Uh, as usual, I'll just change out the poster in my room to indicate my choice. This time it's Avengers Endgame. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, certainly Avengers 2012 sort of gets the credit for uh, establishing that we can do the big team-up movie and do it well. Mm-hmm. But Endgame for me is the culmination of the multiple team-up movies. Like what if we do mm-hmm. a team-up movie of the team-up movies And uh, it's just that nothing will ever parallel that portal scene at the end of this movie where Chris Evans finally says Avengers assemble. I like still get goosebumps. Goosebumps. Even though I've seen the scene 50 times, I'm still like, Oh my God, this is why I love cinema. Yeah. Big, big moments that just make your skin crawl. Yeah. It's it's awesome.
3: Honestly, I think, I think Captain America picking up Mjolnir might like in 20 years, People are going to look back and say that is one of the most yeah. memorable moments in
2: cinematic history.
1: Yeah, no, like, I, if, if AFI ever updates their list, yeah, uh, we're, we're, we'll see somebody's. Yeah, we'll see it on there.
2: Yeah. Uh, sure. I just, I love the optimism that uh, people will know what cinema is in 20 years. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> 20,000 years of this and seven more to go. <laughs> That's
2: right. That's right.
1: Have a good time while we're here.
2: Uh, there you go. There's our top fives. Um, Honorable mentions. Anybody care to throw any out? I only had one because of my stringent rules mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> that I put on myself. Sure. I'm going to go with a 1963 King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh,
2: okay. Okay. Uh, nice. The
3: new one is technically within the same universe. That's why I can't count it or otherwise, you know, got it. But that was an actual, you know, Toho crossover with, uh, I think it was who did the original King Kong? Was it?
2: Don't know. RKO, uh, I think. It was I
1: think. Un- R-K-O. RKO did. Yeah. I actually, yeah. I, again, I have the movie poster. Uh, so I actually know about that one. Yeah. well.
3: Yeah. Oh, didn't Uh, I think it was. No, never mind. I'm lying. Yeah, <laughs> forgive
1: yeah. me. Yep. Yeah, it's. I, I got to check that one out. I, the poster alone, right here on the screen, is really compelling to me. <laughs> it's okay. That's <laughs> if great. You, I, I love old movie posters so much. You
3: have to appreciate that old style of, you know, guys in costume, kaiju, oh, kaiju I totally movies. Do. I yeah. the original,
1: the original Godzilla and the original Kong are like all time classics yeah. for me. They uh, from yes, what they 30, 33 and fifty five, like they hold up. They're fantastic. Uh,
3: fifty four was Godzilla, yeah, that's right. but yeah, yeah, because
1: yeah. My my only um, honorable mention we haven't talked about yet is uh, Hotel Transylvania,
0: oh. um,
1: the Adam Sandler animated film. I think, uh, not like a fantastic movie. My daughter really enjoys it, but I just just seeing like the Invisible Man mm-hmm. and Frankenstein and Dracula all kind of just having fun and joking around mm-hmm. in a different animated context uh, is kind of kind of fun. Yeah, not a great film, but
2: yeah. It's good. Uh I would mention Space Jam the original. Um, you know, it's yep. certainly not a great movie, but it's, you know, definitely uh people do love it. There's a lot of different IPs uh in that one. Uh well, that was just
3: Looney Tunes. Uh
2: no, I think there's other there's other IPs that come into the original Space Jam. Um I'll I'll look it up here in a little bit. But uh Ready Player I'm One, not,
3: I would just I can't remember, so
2: Yeah, Ready Player One. Don't
3: don't don't count on me. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ready Player One the big one.
2: Uh, Ready Player One, certainly, uh, you know, seeing the Iron Giant in there and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, this one's a little bit of a stretch, especially if you're considering the, the same universe thing. But I had to mention Split um, because yeah. that initial moment felt very much like a crossover to me. Uh, you know. And uh, so I wanted to mention that. And then that's more sneaky sequel as yeah, opposed to yeah, crossover. Exactly. Yes. Sneaky yes. I agree. Sequel. I agree. <laughs> I like that sneaky S- sequel. Sneak- Surprise. Sneakquel, uh, if you will.
3: Sneakquel. Oh. Uh, What's not? Actually, I don't. I don't like the way that word sounds. <laughs> Let's Sneak-wool. not do that. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: doesn't sound good. Uh, so, Rise of the Guardians. I thought I'd also mention as well, which is all the different uh, holiday uh, characters oh, getting that's together. Right. Um, I was thinking I
1: Guardians of the. Uh, cool I've persona. never heard. What is Rise of the Guardians? I've never heard of this.
2: It's kinda of fun. Um should I know
1: about this? Is this a property that I missed?
2: Yeah, i I mean it sounds it's a like Dreamworks, it works, isn't it? It's, yeah, I think so. It was two thousand twelve. Uh it was DreamWorks. Uh-huh. And it's basically like Jack Frost, uh the the Tooth Fairy, Mr. Bunny, uh, the Tooth Fairy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, they all have to it's a to big work team up movie like yeah. the Avengers. Yeah, except exactly. you know. So yeah. Well
1: that that sounds I've never heard of that. That sounds interesting.
2: Yeah, Rise of the Guardians. It's a fun yeah. enough movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is.
1: I think your kids would really like it. Yeah. I'll watch anything. It doesn't matter.
2: (laughs) It's fine. Fair enough. Uh, All right. Let's move on to our buried treasure for the week. What's that uh, one thing in any area of pop culture you want to make sure people know about? Uh, John, you're the guest, so you'll go last. Andrew, why don't you kick Mm -hmm. us off? What do you got?
3: Well, Aaron, we're going to be going all the way back to the year 1995. It was the year that had the Oklahoma City bombing. Michael Jordan returned to the NBA, and uh, that was after he did Space Jam, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, eBay launched. I turned nine years old, and the little ditty of a movie came out called Before Sunrise. Nice.
1: Well, It's a, it's a good one.
3: Yeah. Uh, what a interesting movie Then I get to knock off my list of shame.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, I like Richard Link later enough. I mean, he's a really good director and I think that he has a very unique way of telling stories. Uh, I love the way this, this movie is done because at the beginning of this movie, you have Ethan Hawke talking on the train and he's like, I want to do a national geographic type show where it's just 24 hours Following just a single person around, and in a kind of metal way, that's what this movie does. It's a very interesting romance movie in the sense I think it might be one of the most natural and authentic love stories that I've ever seen. Because
1: have you seen the two sequels yet?
3: Not yet. They are coming up later. In my well, I, I think I think
1: they're even better in my opinion. Really. Int- well, especially this- especially in that like authenticity, like to, to get at like the ethos of what a relationship is and what it feels like, uh, these movies I think tap that better than anybody.
3: Well, I think that this movie then set a perfect, uh, you know, uh, groundwork for mm-hmm. that possible because I do want to see the sequels, oh, but good. a lot of the. Um, this was, you know, we are we talking about last week, we we're talking about like West side story, you know, the love at first sight, you know, that kind of thing. I'm like, Oh, that just doesn't ever feel natural. This isn't really love at first sight. It's, I mean, yes, they kind of fall in love on the first day, but it's more than just a first sight. You know, there's a, uh, there's a chemistry that g- naturally, you know, grows from these two people just talking and just walking around. Uh, what? Yeah, it's it's unlike anything I'd seen before, and it's nothing at all like what I expected. I expected, like you know, your uh, yeah. run of the mill rom coms, you know. Nope. But it's not. It's so genuine. I think that's the best. I think that's the best tagline word I could have for this. It is a ju- one of the most genuine love stories I've ever seen. Nice. Great movie. Great movie.
2: It is. and that whole trilogy is incredible and. It works so much better for me than the boyhood thing, um, which is a fine movie. Yeah. But you know, like the the gimmick of boyhood kind of dominates it uh, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. With, with with the with the before movies, you almost don't even care about the gimmick the 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 gimmick of the fact that it's the you know the same people and these movies are actually made you know however many years apart. Um, you don't even really think about no. it because the movies are so good and they just work so well. Um, so so yeah, I, I I really do enjoy these movies. That's a great. That's a great one. Uh, Before Sunrise is available if you're subscribed to Showtime. should be on the Showtime app. Uh, it is also available to rent uh, otherwise um nice. my Andrew, very-
1: i was gonna say aaron i appreciate you uh having the just watch app open at all times yes. so anytime <laughs> we name
2: drop you can just give us the uh the platform it's available you know so. it's one of those things that i appreciate I think as a I podcast do. listener is no that's that I, really helpful yeah that is really helpful is like tell me where i can watch this thing um so no, i was yeah. that was that was not sarcastic that was genuine
1: oh, thanks. uh compliment
2: thank you yeah, I'm trying to do better at that. Um, so, what, what do you got for you, Barry? Tribute? Something you can't watch anywhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got, you
1: got to see this in person because it's not out yet. <laughs> as, as
2: as is the case this time of year, it is often difficult. Although I do think this is coming to uh, you know to be able to rent uh, pretty quickly. But it is a Japanese film called Drive My Car. Um, this is a three-hour movie. I will start there just so you know Whoa. what you're what you're in it's for. Fine. It's fine. Uh, it will be competing for. Best International Film uh, this year. Uh, it has been nominated from other bodies, including the the Critics' Choice, as uh, Best International or, you know, Non-English Film or whatever the category is called in each thing. Um, this is a three-hour movie, and it its strength is in the three hours. Its strength is in it really gives you a, you know, the time to understand the characters, what they're going through, what's happening here. Um, this is about you know, somebody who, um, you know, I don't think this is spoilery to say, but I'll just say the setup for this character, uh, lasts 40 minutes. And then the, the opening credits roll after 40 minutes. <laughs> wow. It's like,
1: that's, that's a lot.
2: It's, it's kind of like the credits pop up and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, we've, we've already been in here for 40 minutes. Uh, but this is, this is a really interesting film. And I think, if you don't have the 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 patience to, I guess what I'd say is make sure you're in the right place to watch this movie. You're in a place where you just want to sit down with something that's going to be contemplative, um, you know, about human nature. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. Don't sit down for this if you're in the mood for something, you know, quick, high octane, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I
1: think I think there needs to be. Um, some type of resource, maybe maybe attached to a, a service like Just Watch, mm-hmm. that explicitly tells you, please be in this mood before you watch. <laughs> yes, yes. Please really? set aside this sort of attention span. Because uh, that would be helpful, to, I think, to know sometimes. Because I'll put on a movie and be like, I'm not in the mood for this kind of thing right now. And I mm-hmm. know I'm not going to appreciate it if I'm distracted or if I'm tired or if i'm hungry like sometimes you need to really be focused up for a movie that's contemplative like you said well, so i appreciate that um, heads up
2: it's contemplative and you have to, i mean if you're english speaking you also have to focus because it's you know it's it's all it's all subtitled you know as well so um you'll definitely be reading, read. you'll definitely be reading a, the subtitles
3: is there a comparable american or english movie that like you could like say this is this type or style of movie you can expect
2: that is a great question. I should have an answer to that question. I mean, it didn't escape me that the Before Sunrise and the Before movies kind of feels a little like this, where it's just authentic human relationship and mm. uh, story. The, um, sort of the slow burn, yeah, it's, it's, lean forward type yeah, of experience. Yeah, it's definitely slow burn, lean forward. And, and if, you don't, if you don't connect to the characters, if you don't care about what they're going through, this is going to feel like it's just dragging because yeah. it really is about, you know buying into this world these relationships these characters um but i do want to mention it first cow ladies and gentlemen <laughs> it's not it's not quite that um no! but, I, but i loved first cow so you know but no it's not that it is not that uh so yeah drive my car i don't think is available anywhere yet uh but hopefully will mm. be soon um all right john what do you got uh
1: my best ever uh buried treasure round. hello is a, a new podcast from my friend Christopher Alan Maloney called Hooked, a, uh, a deep dive into the most bangerang movie ever made. Uh, I think it's going to be an eight-part series. Four episodes are released so far. Uh, he's interviewing uh, cast members, uh, child actors that were on the on the set, people that played the pirates, the mermaids, script writers been interviewed. Uh, he's pulling clips uh, and, and other interviews done you know, when it was released in the 90s. And I think if you're a fan of Hook or even if you are like me and you really like it but have never really taken a second look to go back and appreciate it, um, this is such an interesting podcast. We get to hear all of the history, all of the what-ifs who could have been cast for some of these roles and how Steven Spielberg was as a director, uh, you know, coming off some of his biggest projects and and figuring out what he wanted to do with his career going into the 90s. Uh, Hook is such a fun and different take on the pan Peter Pan story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and yeah, and Christopher does such an interesting job of framing this in, in a really fun, if you like crime serial podcast, it feels like that, but for a movie, oh, like, let's get like, let's get under the covers and peel back the layers and figure out like, you know, the, the real history and all the different like drama and gossip and details behind, you know, Robin Williams and Julia Roberts and Dustin Hoffman and Steven Spielberg on the same set at the same time. in like one of the most hyped movies of the year. Um, so that's, re- it's, and it's 30 minutes episodes. They're the real bingeable. If you got a long commute like me, uh, so big recommend for that. You can get it, uh, wherever podcasts are sold.
3: Yeah. I met Dante Bosco once. Oh, plays Rufio. That's great. Yeah. Super Was cool. Was he nice? Was Super he? cool guy.
2: Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Well, that is hooked with an exclamation point. You can search for that, uh, on podcast. <laughs> no, <platforms>. Aaron, <laughs>
3: that's not how you say <laughs> it.
2: I'm sorry. How do you say it, Andrew? okay thank you there you go appreciate it
1: also real quick i haven't watched it yet but i do want to remind everyone the mcgruber tv show is now out on peacock and i am very excited to watch it because Mm -hmm. mcgruber is one of my favorite underseen underappreciated comedies of the 2010s it's great and it it is i can't believe they're back after 12 years and they got money to do a show for a movie that completely flopped, yeah, I can't yeah. believe it exists. But I'm so excited to check it. out.
3: It might be. I, I think Wayne's World was the most successful SNL original like property.
2: Oh, for I sure. I think McGruber
3: yeah. might be now. After this,
1: it might be.
2: That depends on how you define success, I suppose. Um, but uh, but yeah, it certainly yeah, has the, a the lot fact of longevity. Going back
1: to this, yeah. Th- that when we talk about like what movies should be remade or what should get sequels. Sometimes it's the movies that no one saw. Sometimes it's the movies Mm -hmm. that did mediocre or did poorly that need or deserve a second look.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, we did it, guys. We managed to accomplish a podcast. Well done to all involved. Um, I can't believe this was that long of a podcast, considering <laughs> we said it was going to be shorter. Well, you know. Uh, that's my fault. John, John has has mentioned often that uh, when he's on, we tend to go long. He he seems to think that that's because he talks a lot. I think it's because we just have a good time together. So that's that's, yeah. that's why it probably happened. I just have opinions on everything.
1: <laughs> I was a YouTuber for 10 years. I always want my voice heard. So,
2: yes, yes, Sorry. I'm with you. We're all with you. So, yes, we managed to do a podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at StudioDNA.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Well, thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. Uh, thanks to Drew for putting together some visuals for the video show. Oh yeah, buddy. And thank you to John Paula for hanging out with us again. Always good to see uh, your beautiful face. Uh, what do you want? Anywhere you want to send people? Anywhere anything you want to tell them about? Nah, I don't really care. Okay. Have a happy holiday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Have a merry Christmas. And uh, I'll see you guys back in, in January and, and, and more immediately for the SIF spoil in like three minutes.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate you being here. We also appreciate our SIFT uh, Pop members. And if you're interested in that, that's yes. all at Patreon. Patreon.com siftpop Support starts at three bucks a month. Uh, and you can check all that information there. Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, you can also email feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie loving friends will probably like the show too. So let them know about it and that listening is much easier than casting an intricate spell with Peter Parker around. Uh, we will be back next week with a little film called Matrix 4. Uh, I haven't heard about so it. we'll that talk about one? all that then. See ya. Weird indie film, I bet. Bye.